Thank you for joining us today for book two, A Boy Named Flynn, from A Boy Named David series. This episode is from the published story, A Boy Named Flynn, available on Amazon Kindle's Vela platform, and also available in hardback and paperback editions beginning March 18th on Amazon.com. Book one is also available on Amazon.com, A Boy Named David. Today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, One World Group, a literary group. I'm Jackie Aguirre-Gross, and I'll be leading you through the adventures of Flynn. So sit back, close your eyes, and let your mind explore the world of Flynn von Longarine. Episode 17, La Vela. The Principality of Andorra and its capital city had ever been so quiet these past 17 years. The country is small and the main source of its commerce is agriculture. Andorra produced a wine, cheese, and a fine presiding house of royals. The lives of its inhabitants had not changed or been infected by any of the turmoil faced by the royal house. The king and queen, since that eventful night when they invaded the home of the prince, had not spoken but brief words to one another. They made their personal appearances, which was their obligation to the country. They smiled, waved, and allowed a photo or two. But no one knew of the division within the house of the Andorran dynasty. King Carlos looked into his bathroom mirror He thought of Philip and Catherine and his lost grandchildren. This was a daily ritual. He wondered, never being quite sure, if Philip was truly dead. A part of him held on to the hope that his son was still alive. In his heart, he hoped and believed that Philip had somehow reunited his family. He wished that they picked the farthest reaches of the planet to set up their lives unknown to anyone, yet together and united. He regretted the law that forced himself and his ancestors for generations to marry a Bourbon. That law that kept the male descendants of his line from any chance of true love. This law had to be changed. He tried many times to find the courage to do so. Now, without an heir, The motivation to act was not there. King Carlos could barely get out of bed in the mornings and dress. His appearance was that of a disheveled old man. His hair had once been full and dark, was now stark silver and white. His photo once abounded the covers of magazines as a handsome royal, now showed the deep lines and wrinkles from worry and despair. He was a drained shell of a man, just alive, not living. He remembered how happy Philip was and how he looked at Catherine, how the two of them smiled together, laughed and shared their lives as one. He recalled a memory, how Catherine played on the piano and Philip picked up his guitar and joined. The music they made coalesced and sounded as one. He knew He could never have this with his wife, Sabina. There was something so dark and treacherous about her. It was she who demanded that Philip be torn away from his family to marry the next Bourbon, 
her niece. It was she who awoke him in the night, a night he could barely remember, his head filled with haze and mist. He barely understood the actions he engaged in, yet these events occurred. King Carlos wondered what kind of hold this family Bourbon could have to allow such atrocities to occur. No one spoke up and protested, not even himself. Where was he? Why didn't he act? Why was there something on his mind that he could not even remember what it was? Was it involving Margaret? He just could not remember. He stepped out into the balcony. Since that horrible night when both he and Sabina ransacked their son's life, he and his wife lived in separate quarters. For 17 years they lived apart, and it took this amount of time for him to regain his strength to become what he was, a king. As he looked across the courtyard towards his estranged wife's domicile, a cold, eerie feeling encompassed his soul. He had always suspected Sabina to be a believer in the dark arts. He swore that she openly practiced some sort of dark magic and spells. But he had no idea what or who this woman was. It frightened him. Not even after 20 years of marriage, the life-changing secret he kept to himself which he never would divulge to her, kept him in line with his mouth shut. Sabina. In a dark corner within the basement, Queen Sabina, where Bon Halsberg stood. She faced the one and only window she permitted. Before the window sat a table with a small concave bowl. This was not an ordinary bowl. It was made of the purest crystal to be found on the planet. It was smooth and shaped to resemble a bowl of vines. Its purpose provided only one and only use, to crown the lineage of Halsbergs. However, Sabina found a far more powerful way to use this bowl. She found the bowl in the royal treasury. The bowl was commissioned by the great-grandfather of Nicholas Ferdinand. A star fell from the sky, and when it hit the earth, this crystal was the result. The bowl was the most powerful, water-gazing bowl she had ever encountered. It was, in fact, the most powerful water-gazing bowl ever created. A pure crystal forged from a pure substance not of this planet. The crystal was akin to a diamond, but stronger and more brilliant. Sabina placed candles to surround this vessel. And when the light of the moon came through the window, Sabina would light the candles and pour a vase of purified holy water into the bowl. She would then commence her hydromancy. She would look deeply into the water, then through the water. Her vision would become clouded and the answers to her questions would come. She also laid out various handmade dolls on her table, which took on the physical characteristics of the intended person she wanted to control. At this time, there lay one doll. Various pins and clasps 
held the doll at specific points. A fine, powdery substance coated the body of the doll. The doll was that of her husband, Carlos. The clasps on this doll prevented Carlos from asserting his own mind, and the powdery substance slowly ate away at this man's life force, placing that energy into the doll, then to the commanding source, the voice. On the same table was a box. This box was made of wood and shaped like a small treasure chest. It was old and was passed down from many generations of Bourbons. It contained one small opening for a key to be inserted. The lock was decorated like a skull, and the key contained a skull at the end which matched the likeness of the box. The box was lined with velvet and the royal blue color of Andorra, and it contained the skins of fabric for the dolls which the queen had no longer had use for. There was a skin for Prince Philip and Catherine. There were also two small skins for the two infants. Now disposed of, these dolls were no longer needed. They were the dolls of the deceased. The skins were kept in the box to satiate the demon which gave the queen her energy her youth. The family Bourbons, you see, consisted of a line of evil enchantresses. The dark energy which flowed within their veins came from the oldest and most ancient place and time. In the beginning, the first female Bourbon pleaded with the Kordamas for a better life for herself and her descendants. Each day she traversed into the forest and begged for a better life, only to find deaf ears. Now occasionally a demi-demon may walk the earth searching for a victim to harm. As it passed an area, there may be a small physical manifestation, for it's not the place of such a demon to reside in our dimension. Thus an earthquake or tumultuous storm may form from this demon's presence as the earth tried to rid itself of the abomination. On that particular day, such a demon searched for a victim and found the Bourbon. Thinking that this was an easy prey, negotiations were initiated. The Bourbon was then elevated to the stature of queen. However, as time passed, the energy and loyalty extended to the demon was so great that it began to depend on the lines of Bourbons up to the present day. The sacrifices and torments extended to adversaries fed the demon and kept it nourished and satiated so that it did not have to travel the earth any longer. The demon fed on the energy accumulated within the dolls, which were then reduced to the skins. Sabina each day gave thanks that she no longer had to deal with Philip, Catherine, and their two brats. With no heir, or potential of an heir, the lifespan of an enchantress was indefinite. If one were to look at Sabina, her face showed no signs of aging. She was as young as ever. The king aged and resembled a man quite older than he really was in years. The burden of guilt helped to age him. But Sabina looked all of 25 years of age, 
although she was most likely in her mid-sixties. It did not matter if Philip was her flesh and blood. Being a descendant in line for the throne caused the predecessing Bourbon to age and eventually die. The Bourbons of the past had not realized this, or they were not in Sabina's class. If they were, they would have dispensed of any heirs. Sabina believed that she as queen achieved the designation of the ultimate darkened queen enchantress. An angel would have trouble dispensing of her. Now with no heir, there was no one to take her youth and life from her. Not even Amaria Amalia, who herself resembled a map to Bakersfield. As day turned into night, Sabina became alive and awakened. Her energy began to peak. She poured her water into the vessel. She spoke her incantations and looked through the water and into her clouded vision. What she saw both scared and puzzled her. She saw two men from behind. One with short, curly golden hair. The other with straight, long golden hair. Who were these people? They were engaged in conversation with a slightly older man. He was tall. He seemed to be a professional. Then there was a brief flash of what appeared to be a face from the past. Was it Philip? No, it can't be. I had him killed. I had them all killed. A flash of pain shot through Jay's head. A flash of a vision, a terrifying demonic scene, a woman, and she fell to the floor of her shop in Berlin, Germany.